the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And today joining me, I have Diane Timmering and Matt Lewis with CBDA. Welcome aboard. Thank you. So We're, we're delighted. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. And l- tell us a bit about CBDA and then uh, let's go from there uh, first to introduce the, the organization. Sure. Um, happy to do it. Uh, the CBD Association, or CBDA, is the only 501c6 nonprofit trade association that we have established to holistically promote CBD and cannabis-derived products worldwide. Simply said, we engage policy policymakers at all levels of government to advocate and enact change in order to protect your products, develop new ones, differentiate yourself in the marketing side, and promote your company's bottom line. Which is fantastic because they're, one of the things the industry needs more of is a you know, a standard, standardized uh, standards that are acknowledged and held to internationally. And without an association, it's really hard to drive to that. And we end up with pockets of uh, re- regulation that differ from country to country and even within countries like within the U.S. from state to state or in Canada. You know, there's variation uh, to some degree within provinces and how there's distribution of products and other things. And without a one clear voice, we're going to end up continually being fractured and a, uh, a series of fiefdoms as opposed to a structured organization. It, exactly. And, you know, we provide, we're, very, we're member-led, which also is, I think, a unique attribute. And, you know, we are at, we're advocates. We provide advocacy, not just at the federal side. Obviously, we're watching the FDA and the recent White House meetings closely, but we're we are state involved. We're internationally involved. To your point, um, you know, we are involved in the regulatory rulemaking process, grassroots focused, a very comprehensive compendium um, by state, all fifty states in the U.S. that really talk about guidances because there's so much evolving on a state by state basis. To your point on provinces in Canada, similar. Um, Working on very incredible, the very important standardization that member that member verification standard. We have a scientific advisory board we're developing of experts. Uh, industry watchdog Richard is also so incredibly important, especially in the U.S. From you know you, there are over what four thousand CBD products in the U.S. So really understanding the good actors from the bad. Uh, very critical, and then just a, a professional management team with experience. Yeah, incredibly important. And, you know, you touch on 4,000 products across the U.S. And, you know, one of the challenges that is that without true federal regulation in place, it's not just the standards, but it's the testing that varies dramatically. And people who use for medical purposes can be put at risk unwittingly. And none of us want that. But, a, you know, in everything else, like the FDA approves all the food and other things that we consume. In Canada, we have the similar. In Europe, the similar. But without a federal regulatory framework, we're leaving gaps in the system. And that's that's a disservice to the citizens. Um, well, it yeah. is. I just wanted to say real quick, especially with your medical cannabis mission and vision on really harnessing the power 
of the plant and what it can do. Um, so I just applaud you and just, uh, I love your mission, your vision, your passion, and um, excited again to be on the call. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that um, I echo Diane's sentiment. Uh, Richard, you brought up a very salient point that a lot of people in the industry you know, aren't really aware of, and it's kind of worrying about those bad actors during this time of, you know, during this quote-unquote Wild West period of regulation, is that you know we're all just kind of waiting for that story on the front page of the New York Times that says, you know, CBD product you know, kill someone and then it becomes a whole other issue. And, you know, that's not, that happening is not fair to companies, you know, that are acting responsibly and putting quality products into the market and doing quality testing. Um, so it's kind of the, it's the old adage that one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. And that's why we are really taking it very seriously to advocate to the federal government and to the state's governments that we need to get a clear framework so we can prevent that from happening. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think one of the critical messages with regards to why legalization and federal regulation has to happen in the U.S. is, you know, regardless of people's personal opinions, everything else the government tends to regulate from a health and safety perspective. And it's abrogating its responsibility in this area by not doing so. Yeah, and you and you nailed it pretty aptly earlier with your comments that in the absence of federal regulation, you know, we're, we're seeing states kind of take it on their own on um, and that's great. You know, that's, that's excellent that state legislatures are you know, being proactive. But the problem becomes is, you know, we don't want 51 different different rule books. You know, you don't want 50 states with different rules and you don't want a federal government that has different rules. And so I think that the, the real fear and kind of the likely outcome of this period is that you're going to get to a point where you're going to have states, you know, completely butting heads with whatever policies the FDA ultimately comes down to. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Absolutely. And then you've got, you know, states like California where you know, a large number of producers got licensed, but it was still only 10% of the applicants. So the other 90% exactly. didn't stop producing. They're just not being checked. But exactly. And it's, and it's really difficult for a company, um, you know, that wants to operate on a national and international scale. You know, if you want to put a, if you're a cosmetic company, for example, and you want to put a CBD cream in the U.S. marketplace, mm-hmm. if, if there's 50 states, that's a, that's a very difficult task to realize to comply with 50 different frameworks and then comply with a federal framework. Um, and so we're seeing when, you know, we were developing our legal compendium where we you know, really read every single cannabis law on earth and organized it um, you just see potential avenues of conflict. And that more importantly, that different industries are going to be affected in different ways. And yeah. I think that's what the FDA is really grappling with is even they've not really ever seen, let's call it an ingredient like this. If we're talking CBD mm-hmm. on do you regulate it the same across the board for every industry use, or do you regulate it, you know, based on you have a different set of regulations for food and beverage, a different set for cosmetics, a different set for dietary supplement? It's a real, it's of a real quagmire it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a real challenge. If and the answers were easy, well, it's like anything <laughs> we else, wouldn't be, we would we wouldn't be here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and so, you know, as we look forward, to, you know, we're what two and a half months out from the the U.S. elections, and you know, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're controversial, everything that's going on. There's lots of messaging getting thrown around. And, you know, it's like every other election. There's people have to sort through it all to get to the bottom of the uh, policies and the beliefs and fundamentally to make choices and, you know, always get out and vote. I don't, it's not a matter of how you vote. It's that you vote. You don't vote. You can't complain after is my opinion. But, you know, legalization is one of the topics which, of course, we in the industry are concerned with. And there's CBD, which obviously 
you know, your association talks a lot about CBD and then cannabinoids products, but CBD is first and foremost, and there's hemp and there's cannabis. Um, there's also multiple steps around the federal legalization and regulation framework. There's moving it to Schedule 5, which is a pure medical and pharmaceutical stage, where a lot of these states are already dealing with recreational as well. What do you get as a sense? You know, I know you're both very active uh, and have been very active politically. Um, what do you see coming out of the election? Because obviously in the lead up to it, it's one thing, but coming out of it, action happens. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting um, as, as, in, as everyone on earth, you know, COVID has really had an impact on progress from this, um, in terms of regulate, regulating this industry and creating industry standards. And then you know, we have a lot of very important social justice issues that are taking place as well. And so the conversation is, you know, rightfully focused on those two important issues. Um, I don't see anything substantial happening until after the election. Um, the FDA has shown some progress in the past few weeks. Why, well, you know, they, as you, you kind of alluded to, they set out some guidance material for cannabis-derived products and pharmaceuticals. And as Diane mentioned, you know, there was a recent White House meeting with some industry stakeholders about, you know, guidance for CBD. But what's important to understand is that those guidance documents are just guidance documents. Um, yeah. They're not, they don't have any binding effect. And I think that's There's no teeth, not in, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not intentional. It's just that unless you have an experience in regulatory law, you're not going to understand that there's no teeth to that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's great that they're moving in a certain direction. But if, if I'm being honest, the FDA is clamoring for support. And I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take until you know, we see what Congress looks like and we see who's, what members of Congress this issue is important to before we get a real answer. Because when I mean, we really boil down to it, it's been almost 18 months since the 2018 Farm Bill and unfortunately, nothing's really changed. You know, we've had some policy documents from FDA. You know, we've had these guidance materials that are coming out, but we have nothing any, anywhere close to regulations. Um, I think the fact that they're releasing these guidance documents is, is promising. It shows that something's going on. Um, but they're going to need support from Congress. And apart from, you know, Senator McConnell's early um, efforts with the, with the 2018 Farm Bill, we've just not seen any other members really take this on as an important issue. Um, yeah. So I think it's gonna. It, I think it's gonna be status quo for a little while. I really do. No, I I don't disagree. But let's come back to that after the break. We need to take a short break, and then we'll be back again with Matt Lewis and Diane Timmering from the CBD Association. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. Be right back. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Diane Timmering and Matt Lewis from the CBD Association. And just before the break, we're talking a bit about, actually touched upon the farm bill and hope and uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of the expectations got stalled in the last 18 months. One of the things that I did pick up on uh, recently was in the latest uh, coronavirus relief package that's being, you know, was bandied about. There was an amendment in there which would have pushed <coughs> cannabis to a Schedule 5 um, I believe it was. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong with regards to where they were pushing it. Um, but that relief bill seems to be stuck. And, you know, forgetting all the politics around what's stuck, what's not, that uh, that type of amendment, would, you know, it's a bill which will pass in one form or another. Do you expect to see that those kind of amendments actually start the ball rolling or it's just going to wait? It's a dead on arrival. I don't think it's dead on arrival. I think... During these times, it's, it, what's interesting is when you have bills like this and you have amendments that come on, you got it. Really comes down to the the prioritization of that amendment to those voting on it, and that's one thing that we just don't know right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact that it was included is a significant step. I mean, if, if you look at where we are five years ago, for example, if COVID happened five years ago, that would that amendment would never it'd be laughed out of the room. It wouldn't be included. Absolutely. Um, so it does. So it does show progression, which is very encouraging. Um, and we just look at it as an industry that's kind of clamoring for something immediate, but folks don't understand it. It just takes time. And so they don't. An amendment being included is a victory. It's a small victory. Um, and I, I think that you know, if it has enough support, then surely it'll go through. But um, we just don't know how how prioritized it's going to be. Yeah. Well, and and to sort of build on that, I think. I think, Richard, there, there's a new, I mean, there's no real precedent, at least current precedent right now, right, in this current and post-COVID world. And the FDA is fast-tracking all kinds of things, anything that related to any kind of healing product, like respiratory. I mean, they're fast-tracking all kinds of things, even like just the, the advent of the fast-tracking of telemedicine, which is up by, what, you know, 1,300% across the nation. I mean, the numbers are staggering. So that mindset, along with your Senator McConnell's, your Pat Roberts of Kansas, these are senators that supported the 2018 Farm Bill, amongst others, right? We're big. I'm in Kentucky. We're big farming communities. So the opportunity is not just the the CBD. There's an economic valuation, you know, to build tax revenue, to build, rebuild economies, to rebuild states, to offer 
things that to be able to actually say in the research that 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 this impacts the anti-inflammatory or this prevents or this this is an opportunity to um, to you know address address anxiety. And if you look at some of the state legislation coming out, it's pretty dark a daggone bold, you know. And it's yep. like New Jersey, Virginia, Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma medical cannabis. Virginia launching in five years are looking at staggering, uh, like $55 million, I think it is, in revenue projections. You've got New Jersey allowing medical cannabis prescribed over telemedicine. So along with the state, along with, um, you know, the, the members who support it, along with the current environment and the mindset of Dr. Han, you know, who is a, a, an MD, I think opportunity, um, I do think we do have an open door though. And, and it's exciting to be on the front end and to be sort of that proactive leader in navigating, you know, the, the pathway forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar but with the, some of the minutiae of the Canadian experience, but, you know, the legalization in Canada really happened because there was a group of, you know, there was one uh, minister and his staff who, recognize the medical benefits uh, for a variety of reasons. They crafted a law that didn't allow cannabis for medical purposes, but they did it in a way that would be certain to fail a constitutional challenge. And by doing so, they got the courts to push legalization where the political will wasn't. And I'm almost wondering if that's going to happen in, you know, in one of the states where they get stymied and stuck, that they can create a law that fails the constitutional challenge, and by doing so and it being appealed up, it becomes national. It basically breaks down the barriers nationally. It doesn't force regulations in place, but it forces the government to then regulate. It's a long process, but you know, if things get stuck, that ends up being the only viable path, unfortunately. And yeah, uh, it hope and that the was really politicians take the lead, not follow. Yeah, and that's that's really interesting. And I, I'm familiar with the kind of the chamber in Canada you mentioned. But, you know, ironically, this, the, the, the crop itself isn't as controversial as it used to be in the United States from a political perspective. And the reason why is, you know, your most conservative states are, you know, southern states, Midwest states, but those are the ones that are going to be, their economies are going to benefit the most from growing this crop. So it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's good for the left and good for the right because it stimulates economies, which the, you know, more conservative folks are going to be a fan of. And then obviously the, folks that are wanting to be in the space for, you know, other political reasons, it favors them. And so I think that we're seeing a movement to where everyone, the, the kind of like the lights turning on that everyone sees, well, this is a crop that really benefits everybody. Um, my, my, my background is a, I started out my legal career as a prosecutor. And I know that one of the biggest things that's really probably, or the last thing that's holding this up is just the inability to really test for it and the inability to really prove for it. And so, you know, you're dealing with police officers that are, if they pull someone over and they think they're high, you know, they can't, they can't do anything about it. Uh Um, And so I think really getting through the criminal justice aspects of it probably is the last hurdle. I really think that will be the last, the last kind of the last hurdle to to jump over for this. Right. Interesting. I mean, of course, there's also the focus. There's, you know, depends who you speak to 124, 150, different cannabinoids in the plants. There's a lot that are documented that nobody knows what they do, but you know, people, when they get worked up about the plant, it doesn't tend to be the 120. It's the one. It's the that, one. You're, def- you're, exa- you're right. exactly right. It's the one. It's the one. Right. 
And when you yeah. talk about the, you know, the production, and everything else, there's also a very uh, transparently, we need to differentiate between hemp production and cannabis production. And hemp tends to be exactly. heavily skewed towards CBD, which is a viable molecule. But, you know, THC is necessary for certain conditions, especially uh, as a microdose for uh, people whose uh, endogenous cannabinoid system isn't developed enough to know how to use the other compounds. But you have things like CBG and others that are incredibly powerful on their own and only come out of the cannabis plant. But there's a bit of a, a break in the in the uh, the messaging with regards to the with regards to the molecules and also where the production is because there is massive scales of hemp production in the U.S. but not of production for the other compounds. And that actually ties into one of the challenges for the um, the industry going forward, which, you know, and the difference is, is like in Europe, the changes that just happened with novel foods for Europe make hemp-based CBD almost worthless in that market. How do you see, you know, the U.S. going forward and how do you see the association's role since you deal with international aspects um, handling that? Because that's where the majority of the production in the U.S. has been. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Sorry to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, yeah, you got me again. All right. Uh, I got you again. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> hey, we did it. We did it. Yes, Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge. I think that it's interesting when you look at the international markets because they're almost like their own little independent fiefdoms, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's doing, no one's allowed to ship to anywhere else for the most part, with some, some few exceptions. Um, the U.S. is going to have to grapple with that. And I think it's very important when you were talking about just the different varieties of the plant. I mean, terminology, for example, that's something that's not uniform across the board. Right. Um, something as simple as marijuana is spelled differently in some states. I mean, that's the most basic example, right? Yep. Um, and so the U.S. is really going to have to to figure that out. And I think it's been overwhelming because I'm sure the FDA is aware of all of the different types, um, all the different type of uses. And how do you regulate it that way? I mean, it's such a complex regulatory structure that's going to happen. Um, and in terms of international production and trade, I think a lot of eyes are still on the U.S. I mean, we have pockets, you know, South America is coming on board. There's some Southeast Asian countries that are really ramping up production, but they all want to be in the U.S. market. So let's let's make no mistake about that. I mean, Canada wants to be in the U.S. market, and understandably so. And I think that one aspect of this whole issue that no one is really talking about significantly is that there are going to have to be massive trade deals and trade negotiations that come along with this when it's okay for China or Canada to ship product in. Absolutely. Um, and so and so when we're talking when we're talking about one problem is how to talk about regulate and sampling and testing and inspection procedures in 50 states. But now you're going to have to think about Chinese hemp has to comply with American hemp import standards. And that's a whole other ballgame that no one's really talking about. Um, and so I think it's, just, it's going to be fascinating how it all plays out. It's going to take a very long time. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's, but I, there are just the interplay between all the different jurisdictions when you're dealing with a product that requires so much sampling, so much testing, you know, so much health and safety standardization. It's, it's going to be tough. Yep, it's not uh, it's not as straightforward as just waving a wand and saying now it's all legal. And I think right. some underestimate. You know, we do a lot of international shipping, and people underestimate the uh, the challenges and difficulties in that, and and the steps involved. It's not like dealing with a a customer in the regular industry where you sell them a, a widget and you just you know package it up and send it off to them. We do a transaction with a customer, and we deal with six parties in between between multiple laboratories, government agencies, and logistics, and you know, governments I'm lumping together. In some cases, there can be four different ministries to deal with at each end. It's a process. Let's come back yeah. again after the break. Uh, we have to take one more break and then be back again with Diane Timring and Matt Lewis from the CBD Association. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. What, on the last segment, uh, is there an area you want to talk about in particular? Um, I... Have a- I uh... I think what's so cool about Richard, and I've talked to your team a couple of different times, and they're terrific. You all, I just think something to, you all are so proactive. You go in and you talk to government, and you mm-hmm. even help them craft the legislation, you know, because yep. you lots of trial and error. And, and so I think that's fascinating. Um, and that's what I love about our, our partnership, you know, this opportunity and a potential partnership is to do that. Um, the only other thing I really want to talk about is this recent guidance is that it opens up to new research. And if we don't know what it does, then we'll never go forward with some of these external clinical, t- clinical trials. So I think that's just a real potential win of movement forward in the U.S. So that would be one thing. Okay. Briefly. Sure. What about you, Matt? I agree. I think we covered the, the politics of it obviously pretty well. Um, and so if, if we want to put someone on a, on a, on a, like finish on a positive note, I think talking about that is a, a good way to do that. 
Yeah. I don't think there was anything negative. I just think we have to, we're dealing with reality here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> reality could sometimes come across as negative, I guess. So. Right. Well, and, and, and with your company and you're just, I mean, you've got such a great infrastructure, solid infrastructure, the benefits of this FDA coming out on some of the biotech and the biopharma opportunities, you know, may really be an opportunity for Plena. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mission. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we can get patients more medication much more simply. It's always an advantage. All right, let's go back in and we'll start the last segment. Okay. All right, welcome back, everybody. Coming back with Dan Timmering and Matt Lewis from the CBD Association. And, you know, this is an incredibly positive industry with an amazing amount of growth. Obviously, there's barriers and there's challenges and we all struggle with them every day. But one of the areas that... Uh, is going to help drive open the doors. And, uh, you know, Matt and Diane and I were chatting about this prior, is really the need of research to drive a lot of these openings to help explain and document, both for politicians, but regulators and doctors, how to use cannabis in as a course of treatment, as part of, part of a treatment on behalf of patients. <clears throat> and that research is, is happening in different areas. But how do you see that going forward? How do you see the research helping the industry as a whole? Um, well, and just as a bit of a background, I came into CBD. I've been in the healthcare and long-term care and post-acute market for 15 years as a healthcare executive. So seeing, and my mother had stage four Parkinson's. So seeing mm. the benefits of uh, just starting to hear it right right after the 2018 Farm Bill. Of course, Senator McConnell was a big proponent of that and, and obviously one of the originators. So I started thinking, oh, if my mother had had this for her kinetic issues, right, that, that go right. along with the, the deleterious effects of Parkinson's. But in long-term care, I thought, you know, what we can, uh, anxiety, uh, torment, um, things like pain management on the topical side, if we could do a tincture under the... So that was my thinking. I went, you know, I even went to the state OIG and said, hey, let's go ahead and work this opportunity into some, you know, into a protected study. And uh, so the opportunity, this is where we align so much. And I just love your organization and your mission and vision is that bringing up the positive and the power of this medical cannabis and the plant and harnessing what it can do, which actually has been around for, you know, centuries. So I think now that the new guidance has a statement about research can access the hemp plant, um, you know, beyond, I guess, the University of Mississippi. And this change gives sponsors and 93 investigators, right, um, of the clinical studies, new options that do not involve the NIDA or the DSP. And I think that's really powerful for these external clinical trials to say, it does this, this, and this. And I think then... You know, as we're trying to help your bottom line and all our members' bottom line, if you get to say what it does, oh my goodness, and don't have to obfuscate mm -hmm. and, and and really say what it does, I mean, the power of, of, of that. And then, of course, that leads into the standardization and kind of separates the good and the bad. So I think that one piece of open door is um, very exciting to us, and we can do a lot with that. No, I, I think we can. And, you know, the research going down in Mississippi is powerful for everybody. 
it's a shame that so many of the, you know, with the market turmoil, a lot of the cannabis companies had to drop a lot of their research. We had a, you know, a great section just recently with a fellow who runs Canopy's research and they're going full steam and that's incredible. Um, but, you know, the research is going to give doctors and physicians as a whole guidance on how to use the molecule. But then we also need to focus, and I know you have a strong focus on government regulation and helping craft that and, you know, having been through it, it's, it's like a game of chess. You have to think through not just what's going on the page in terms of the regulation, but how, how does it come into effect in real world and how do you make sure it doesn't get manipulated along the way? How have you been dealing with, regu- I know your group deals a lot with regulatory and government. How are you finding the, the approaches? You know, it's been, it's been difficult if I'm if being completely honest, you know, we're, we're finding things when we, you know, if I look in a state, for example, and I'm reviewing their laws and their, their processes, um, I'll find something that I can tell is going to, you know, majorly impact an industry. And then you'll speak with industry professionals about that, you know, in terms of kind of forming, you know, an advocacy coalition for that specific issue. And they'll have no idea what you're, they'll have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Um, and when I, and when I say no idea, and I don't mean this with really disrespect because this is a new industry and this is new for everybody, but it's shocking that you can get on the phone with some general counsels or VPs of regulatory affairs and you could tell them something that you figured that they would already have on the radar and they just don't. So what we've kind of had to do over the past few months, you know, in a certain different, certain different jurisdictions where we're leading some advocacy efforts, we've had to do a lot of education. And then when I say education, I mean, we've had to walk people through, like, this is what the law says. This is how it impacts you. Um, this is how it's going to impact your bottom line. And it's been difficult. Um, I think the problem that we've had with this is that the market despite the lack of regulation, the market has been free flowing, right? I mean, the FDA has sent out, you know, a handful of enforcement um, letters, things like that. You know, you get the random story every once in a while about some states, SBI coming in and taking everything off the shelves. But for the most part, people have been able to act pretty freely. And so they don't appreciate the risk that they're undertaking for when regulation does come down and does, you know, get teeth to use our term from earlier. And that's what we're trying to prevent. We're really trying to look around corners for people because um, when we see something's going to happen and we know it's going to impact an industry specifically, we want to alert those folks so they can make sound business decisions. I mean, imagine what happened with Cureleaf, you know, back with their pharmacy contract back when was a good example. I mean, they weren't, they didn't have the knowledge that they couldn't put what they put on their label and they lost a huge contract. And not only did they lose a huge contract, they ended up in the newspaper and the PR backlash of that is not good. Um, and so like those companies need an advocate on their side and that's what we're trying to do because you have no idea when that rule book's going to come down and if it's going to come down on you. And whenever we speak to conferences, what I always say is the rule book's going to come and it's not going to come on the mom and pop store selling CBD on the side of the road. It's going to come down on a major company and it's going to be a big exactly. deal. Exactly. It's going to be a big deal and it's going to have an impact, but you know, if it's coming down the right way, it's good for everybody. And that's exactly fundamentally exactly. that's, you know, that's got to be our, our mantra is do things right, do them properly. You know, we always talk about going slow to go fast, which means do things right, take a little bit longer, make sure it's right, go forward. Everything we do, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to provide treatment for patients, help them with conditions, not harm them in any way. So take the time to do it right. And if we, when I'm, you know, when I helped like with the government of Peru draft the regulatory framework there and the law there, that was front and center. And, you know, you're dealing across many ministries uh, and many departments as you're doing that. And, you know, it was just called by another government out uh, 
recently who uh, actually a few other governments recently that looking for consultation help not even con uh, you know not looking for uh, anything beyond just they need advice they need to know what to care about and where to look and uh, it's uh, it's complicated and the work you're doing on that is fantastic because it's uh, a standard approach which should take everybody's voice into account and look for how do we make this work for the industry so that everybody can succeed, but patients get what they need? And uh, that patient-first focus is key. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Uh, I'd love to have you guys back on another time and to discuss more of uh, what's going on, maybe something closer to the election or right after it for talking about the impact of that and how it's going to, uh, how we look at it over the next few years. It'd be great. We'd love it. We'd love to. Okay, fantastic. Well, Diane, Matt, thank you very much for joining us on The Green Peak today. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky, and I'll talk with you again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.